Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the show where Eddie and I don't just announce the news for you. We analyze it and give you our thoughts on the Ducks and the NHL in general. We've got a lot to cover this week. We're going to go over the uh, the games on the homestand, the big trade that happened with Hagman, some updates with Dupree and the blue line, uh, more trade news, and also look at the games coming up this week on the, on the homestand and then as the Ducks go on the road trip. Uh, first up, Eddie, on the homestand here, we talked about last week and we, we predicted correct. We thought the Ducks would win two out of three games, and that's what they did. They ended up losing to Detroit. They beat Ottawa, and they beat Dallas. Um, it was a good uh, stand for the Ducks on this week. And they ended up losing to Detroit 2-1 to one in kind of a crazy game. Um, some, some bad luck here. Uh, Tatar ended up getting the first goal, which was actually redirected by Lindholm into the Ducks' net. Uh, Perry scored, but the Ducks would end up losing 2-1 to one with uh, Sheehan getting that last goal. Yeah, and uh, another misplay by Getzlaff that, that everybody seemed to want to rip on in this game, and uh, he took the, the brunt of, of the blame on that last goal. I mean, you do have to, to say that is his fault, and he's been making those types of play all season, but there's a, a lot of uh, you know, talk about removing him from captain and then giving it to Kessler or something like that. And I, you know, I think that's a little bit too much. Obviously, he's been making the plays, he uh, the bad plays this season. He knows that a lot of them have actually cost the, the Ducks points, especially in this game. Uh, we remember the infamous drop pass in in uh, Arizona too that cost them an extra point in that game. But uh, yeah, no, it was disappointing to lose. But I think all in all, it was a pretty good effort against a good team. Yeah, it was just unfortunate. The Ducks did play well. Uh, they didn't get the bounce early on. They still recovered. I mean, we've seen them, you know, give up a goal now and play better instead of uh, going into a slump or whatnot. So they ended up doing well. Um, and I know there was a play in here, too, that was controversial that they said that uh, supposedly Detroit's uh, Sheehan had scored earlier in the game. And uh, if you go on the Hockey News website, you can see it. But uh, Eddie and I both reviewed this and looked at it, and to us it looks like no goal. If you uh, look at the angle at the way the shot was placed, it's in a downward angle, and it looks like it goes off the camera on the back. And also the officials found no holes in the net, Eddie. So I know you know some Detroit fans and uh, some other people were claiming that it was a goal, but um, from what I saw, it, it looked like it was no goal. Yeah, I, I just think from the angle that the, the puck had been shot at, I, I don't think there was any possibility that it could have actually gone into the net i mean a lot of people were saying they were they're looking at the replay after uh and we're saying that yeah i know it actually did go into the net but the, the way it rebounds out of the net and, and the way that the puck is dipping when it's shot uh, and I, I i definitely think it was a no goal but yeah there was definitely some controversy involved with that play yeah, and it ended up not, you know, being a factor. You know, Sheehan would end up getting a goal, and then that would be the game winner, and the Ducks would lose this one 2-1. to one. Uh, But the Ducks would rebound on this homestand. They would uh, play the Ottawa Senators on Wednesday uh, in a game that, you know, kind of started out a little bit slow. There was no scoring in the first period. Uh, we saw Andrew Cogliano get a, a shot that uh, went off the post and in to give the Ducks a one nothing lead. Um, and then uh, Ottawa came back to tie it. But the story in this game was really the third period. Uh, in the final five minutes, Eddie, the Ducks just went on a roll and scored three goals, ending up winning this one 4-1. to one. 
Yeah, and I think I have to correct something real quick, too. This was the game where Getzlav made the bad pass and Curtis Lazar scored on the breakaway. I mean, he's made so many this season. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to keep track now. But, yeah, like you said, in the third period, they, they really turned it on. Obviously, um, everybody seemed to be breaking scoring slumps in this game. Cogliano went 18 games without scoring and got one in the second period. And Shea Theodore got his... First goal on, on a pretty nice play from Getzlav and, and him as well. Like Getzlav made a, a really nice pass, but uh, for him to, to break up on the wing like that and you know, get a little bit of a lucky shot, but still you know uh, get his first goal on the power play was really good for him. And the scoring continued after that. Uh, the Hagelin, the, the recently traded Carl Hagelin, uh, broke his slump. I mean, he was probably the guy that was struggling the most. He had so many chances in, in you know the previous, uh, I don't know how many games you go back, that, that he had a chance to, to ice his streak and finally gets it done in this game and then Silverberg is the guy you would you would expect to, to break a slump after this and he ends up doing it against his former team yeah Hagelin and we'll talk about you know this uh, trade coming up after we talk about the uh, the game against Dallas but yeah Hagelin got a goal and assist in this game and like you said broke out of a slump um, on the second on the line with Kessler and Silverberg and Silverberg's been on a roll too lately yeah, including the Dallas game, he's got three multi-point games in his last four, so he's really come alive on this homestand and playing well, and the Ducks really took control in the third period. Um, the interesting thing about this game, Eddie, and we talked about this over the Christmas break on the podcast, I also had an article on it, we talked about the Ducks players making mistakes and Boudreaux holding them accountable, and I was actually very happy with the way Boudreaux handled the situation he ended up benching Getzloff in the uh, uh, the last three minutes uh, and change in the third period, and he benched him almost all the way to the five-minute mark of the third period. You uh, saw Santarelli come out there on the top line for a couple shifts, and then you saw Maroon come out there. And I was actually very happy that he did that because he held Getzloff accountable for his mistake. We talked about this and, and how some of the players have made mistakes and not necessarily – uh, the bigger name players that have been benched. So I, I give Boudreaux credit for that. But you know what? I also give Getzloff credit. You know, a lot, a lot of criticism has been thrown his way this season. And he took the punishment and he accepted it. He went on the bench. He sat there. He didn't complain. He cheered on his teammates. He comes back in the game uh, for a couple shifts, gets that power play opportunity, makes a great pass between two defenders to get Theodore his first goal uh, to help make up and atone for that mistake and get you know assist on the game winning goal. Uh, I just thought all around the way it was handled by the captain and Butro was was just uh, perfect for this situation. Eddie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right after uh, he made that play is is when we saw him get benched. We saw Cinarelli come out and play with Perry, and uh, it was a little bit surprising. I mean, we've seen Butro bench other players this season, but I mean, this is obviously the most high profile guy that you've seen put on the bench this season and it seemed to work out like you said he came out and played hard in the third period um and ends up getting a, the the winning assist on on Shea Theodore's goal and I think it was uh just a, a great play by Boudreaux and obviously we've seen uh Getzloff in, in um in interviews after the game and you know he's owned up for every mistake that he's made this season so I think it's just uh, a, a real good show um between Boudreaux and Getzloff. And I think it's good, uh, the way that the players are responding, the way everything's going. The Ducks have been playing very well, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the stats and whatnot after the uh, the next game here where Dallas came to town, and I talked about this in the game preview. Dallas hadn't played in almost a week. Um, you had to wonder how they would play. I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of time off, and, and I've said this before. Unless you have you know several players injured, 
and they're banged up, you need to heal up, then of course it's always a good thing. But when you get out of that rhythm and you're not playing every other day or every third day, um, you know, you can come out flat. And that's exactly what happened this game. The Ducks went just bonkers in the, the first period against Dallas. They scored two goals uh, 31 seconds apart, uh, just, you know, three minutes into the game. And then they scored another two goals 33 seconds apart at the 15-minute mark. So they just went absolutely nuts. I remember uh, Phil trying to announce, you know, Silverberg's goal and then Botman scores. And then he's trying to announce Lindholm's goal and then Perry scores. And, and you just saw the way the Ducks played. Um, they, they literally blew Dallas out of the building in the first period. Um, Dallas did battle back and get some goals, but um, it was another nice win uh, for the Ducks, Eddie. Yeah, and just probably one of their best periods uh, of the season, you know, since we saw them play Dallas last time where they went out 3 nothing in that game. But, uh, you know, just uh, we could see Silverberg continue his, his great play, get another multi-point game, and, you know, Vaughn scoring right after, being able to, to counterpunch and, and just put them behind 2 nothing so early in the game, I think w- w- was a really key point for them. And, uh, and then, you know, power play keeps going. Uh, a great play from Kessler to, to win the puck, and, and Lindholm pinches forward, and he's pretty much got an open net to, to throw it into. And then the the great play between uh, Getzlaff, Theodore, and Perry was probably the most beautiful goal on the night and one of the best that we've seen uh, passing plays, at least this year, uh, for the Ducks on the season. And, you know, they, they were able to close it out this time. Obviously, we saw in, in Dallas last time uh, they went up 3 nothing in the first period and ended up losing the game. Um, so I think this, you know, a strong effort in the second period, barring uh, a Corey Perry giveaway, which led to a shorthanded goal, and you know, uh, the, the one of the league's best power plays is eventually going to convert if you give him four opportunities, and, and Ben gets a goal in the third period. But I think it was a strong effort. We got to see Freddie start for his second game in a row, and you know, he's he's come back strong. He's played well in both games, and you know, I think it's just a, a really good effort against uh, one of the better teams in the league, but they also are struggling too. Yeah, I like the way the Ducks started the game and came out strong. Uh, I, I thought the third period they they got maybe a little bit lax. You know, uh, Dallas did try to come back. They outshot them eleven to nine. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Uh, they didn't shell up too much in the third period, but uh, I thought they let off the gas a little bit, which which you know didn't didn't hurt them because they had built that lead, like you said, uh, as opposed to um, the uh, previous meeting. So the Ducks ended up pulling this one out and winning it. Uh, you know, which was a good birthday present for Phil and I. So we were we were happy about that. We were joking, hoping that the Ducks would, would pull one out. Um, and they've done well in the homestand. They've won four of their uh, six games with really only the bad game against the Leafs. And um, speaking of that, uh, there were some stats that were posted today um, by Mike Kelly, who is a broadcaster for the Leafs TV. And he talked about all the Ducks stats in these last 10 games and kind of wanted to go over this for a little bit. We also have some of our own stats we put together. But you mentioned some of these things, Eddie, and we talked about in the last three games. The Ducks' power play is at uh, 34.6%, which has been first in the league. The penalty killed 94.6%, which is first in the league. Goals against 1.6, which is also first. Shot differential, plus 9.3, which is also first. And then save percentage, uh, 0.935, which is third. And 15 points in the last 10 games. So those are all the stats he threw out, Eddie, and I, I mean, it's been a really good stretch for the Ducks. You know, the Ducks have been 7-2-1 and one in the last 10 games. Um, the only other blemish is, is probably the stat that you want to throw out that I know you put together and you can talk about it too is uh, their shot percentage. But uh, other than that, the Ducks have been playing very, very well. Yeah, I mean, penalty kill is no surprise. I mean, that is a, a disgustingly high number at 94.6%, but it's been great all season, and, and it's no surprise to see that it's still 
first over the last 10 games. Goals against average, uh, even shot differential as well. I mean, they've been shooting the puck all season. They've been limiting teams to, to I think, the, the lowest shots against per game or one of the lowest shots against per game uh, in the league. And with the, the two goalies that we have, again, goals against average, that's a great number to have if you're not scoring a lot of goals. Uh, I think the big one, uh, barring the shoot, shot percentage, which I'll get into in a little bit, is definitely the, the power play. I mean, we haven't seen too much change. Obviously, Theodore has come in on the power play with Fowler going out. Um, they went back to two defensemen on the power play, and for some reason it's just clicked, and it's been dominant over the last 10 games. I mean, 34.6% is is, a, is an insane number for power play that was struggling as it was um, in the beginning part of the season is, is a big key to why they've been so successful um, over these last few games. But I, I think the big issue for the Ducks still is, is obviously goal scoring and, and just the fact that they are shooting the puck so much, but a lot of their chances are not converting. I mean, they have a 6.8% shooting percentage over the last 10 games. Uh, they're, they're shooting the puck the third most in the last 10 games, 338 shots, and they only scored uh, 23 goals. If you want to put that in perspective, the, the two teams above them who shot more than them were Washington and Chicago, um, and they had 36 and 39 goals and, and had a 10 to 11% shooting percentage. So I think that's the, the, the big thing the Ducks have to work on. I don't know if they're getting a lot of quality shots. Um, that'd be a stat that you, you would have to look into as well. But it's definitely the, the only thing really right now that they need to work on. I agree with you. I think the special teams play has picked it up um, in the last 10 games. Uh, it, like you mentioned, the penalty kill has been great all year. Uh, the goalie situation's been great all year too. You know, Gibson and, and Anderson have both done well. Um, they've had a couple games there you hear there where they didn't have their best stuff, but overall they've been great. So the issue does come down to shots, and it comes down to shot placement and what's going on. And I, I think part of this is what kind of uh, leads into our next topic is about the trade um, that happened and how the Ducks are going to try and prove that. You know, for some of you, you're like me on. Uh, Friday night, you were happy that the Ducks beat Dallas and, and went to bed. Uh, you know, I went to sleep around, I, th- I think it was around 11. And uh, I woke up uh, uh, pretty early on Saturday. I think it was 5 or 6 o'clock or something like that. And my phone literally exploded. I, I turned it off late at night and, and so I could get some sleep. But uh, in the morning, it went off and I saw the news. And you heard that Hagelin was traded just before midnight. Um, going to Pittsburgh for Perron and Clendenning. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were surprised and some people weren't surprised. And it, it, there was just all kinds of craziness going on Saturday morning once I wrote up the article and, and kind of talked about what had happened and whatnot. But part of this trade, and I, and I think this goes towards that shot percentage uh, issue, Eddie, is you pick up a guy like Perron, and he's a guy that's more gritty. He's a guy that's going to go more towards the net. Haglund's style isn't more like that. Haglund's more of a, a two-way player, goes up and down the ice, uses his speed. Um, he'll go towards the net, but Perron is more of the type that will go there when there's traffic in front of the net, get the rebounds and those kind of things. And I think that's kind of why the Ducks went with Perron. I mean, if you look at their stats, they're both very similar. They both had four goals this year in about the same amount of games. But that's kind of one of the key aspects on there. Eddie, uh, what are your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, they're, they're very similar players in, in the fact in, in the impact that they will have on a team. They're both second to third line players, depending on the team. I, I think on our team he'll be a second line guy, just like Haglin was. And you know, they're, they're, the the points they've put up this season are pretty similar in the games played, shooting percentage, their time on ice, the amount of shifts they get per game. They're all similar. I think I think it was a great trade for the Ducks, to be honest. I mean, Perron since he left. 
the Western Conference has struggled. I mean, he had great seasons uh, with the Blues he, and Oilers. He had two 20-goal seasons with the Blues, and uh, his best season, 28 goals and 57 points with the Oilers in, in 2013-14. Um, then since he came over to the Penguins, uh, I mean, they, they gave up a lot hoping that he would help them, and he struggled there in their system. Um, and we brought over Hagelin from the Rangers, who, who he had some, some pretty good seasons with the Rangers um, and just struggled here. I think it's it's a fresh start for both guys, and you know, getting Clendenning back in the trade to to strengthen the goals and you know add another seventh eighth defenseman to our roster never hurts, and it gives us some flexibility if we're going to trade a guy like Votnin uh, for for another scoring winger to possibly play with Getzlaff uh, and, and Perry. I think it gives us a lot of options, and it was a a, a really good move by by Murray. Yeah, I think the key was here is is not so much the on ice impact. I mean, you know, we you saw Dan Wood talk about this and a few other uh, people on on social media. Uh, when I look at a trade, and I know it's hard because a lot of people look at a trade and they go, "Oh, you know, the Ducks won this trade, and and, and Pittsburgh got screwed, for lack of a better term." I, you know, I I agree and I disagree. Uh, I try to look at trades um, in two ways, Eddie. I look at the off ice impact and the on ice impact. You look at the off-ice impact. The Ducks won this trade, and the reason why is the Ducks freed up cap space. You know, I put it up there. Um, NHLnumbers.com had the number. It was 12.8 million has been freed uh, over the next uh, three three and a half seasons, um, basically, by this move, which is huge because the Ducks have a, a serious number of RFA's that they were looking at uh, having to deal with this summer. You've got Frederick Anderson, Hampus Lindholm, Raquel. Uh, Sekach and Botnan. Those are the, the the five primary players that the Ducks need to figure out what they're going to do in the summer. And Murray had talked about this being a problem back before the season started. So this move helps them do that. Um, in terms of the Ducks lineup, it gives the Ducks more options. Perron can play both left and right wing. Uh, he's, he's more considered left wing, but it gives them some options there. Clendenning can also um, add to the blue line, which we're going to talk more about that and some of the trades and stuff uh, that we think could be coming and whatnot. So, in terms of depth and finances, you know, the off more of the off ice type stuff uh, or overall stuff, it's it's good. As far as on ice uh, performance type stuff, we won't know. I, I mean, it's it's hard to say, and I know some people uh, may look at it and, and say Hagelin outscores Perron. Um, you know, down the stretch here, they may say it was a bad trade, but I mean, you just don't really know. There's different systems, like you said, East Coast to West Coast. Uh, I'm just hoping that Perron comes in. He adds some grit, which is is a plus two, and and, and maybe he'll um, be able to help the Ducks because you know the Ducks are playing the Kings tonight, and you know this is going to be a gritty game, and you know the Ducks are going to have to play them four more times this year, and they're going to also have to play a lot of other teams in the you know, Central and the Pacific down the stretch. So that that's what I kind of look look towards. It's not necessarily Perron's offense, which I mean, I hope it does take off. But I also look at his uh, style of play too, Eddie. Yeah, for sure. He's fifteen pounds heavier, an inch taller. He's he's definitely a more physical player, and I, I like the fact you know they are the same age, but he has over two hundred and forty more games NHL experience than than Carl Hagelin does. He's been around the league. He's played in the Western Conference for most of his career. Uh, you know, his shooting percentage in, in the Western Conference was a lot higher. Uh, than it was with Pittsburgh. He was up, you know, in the double digits for every season but one uh, in the Western Conference. And ever since he moved to the Penguins, he had a 9.8 in, in 2014-2015 and, and a 4.2 uh, this year. So I think he's going to get a better opportunity on the Ducks. And 
And you know, I, I look forward to seeing his impact. I, I, if he scores ten goals by the end of the season and brings his total to fourteen, you know, I'd be happy with that. He's going to add a lot more than than just scoring goals. Yeah, I agree with you, Eddie. And I think the only question we'll have to figure out is where he goes on the lineup. You know, uh, Haglund's been on the second line with Kessler and Silverberg. He's also been on the third line with Horkoff and Cogliano. So um, I would think he would fit into one of those two. Uh, we don't really know yet how it's going to pan out. And, and, you know, you could probably expect with Boudreaux that he may be on a couple different lines. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, it seems like Kessler and Silverberg are playing much better together. Um Hagelin started to come on this last couple games, which I know is a concern for some people in this trade. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, coming up uh, with him mixing into the lineup. But I, I think it's going to be a good move overall, like you said. Um, we'll just have to see how the on-ice impact goes towards the rest of the season. Um, as far as other trades and other news and whatnot, you know, we had the article that we put out just this past weekend about what's going on. And, and we've talked about the goalie situation before. There's... I wouldn't say there really has been much of a change in this, Eddie. We know, you know, from uh, Darren Dreger uh, back in his report in December that Anderson and Hudobin were being looked at and maybe, uh, you know, possible trades and whatnot. I don't think much has changed. Uh, the only thing I would add to this uh, as far as the goalie situation, Eddie, is now that Hagen's been moved, maybe the Ducks uh, try to get Eddie, uh, you know, in a contract for Anderson and then trade Hudobin instead. That's just kind of my feeling and no information from any source. It's just my opinion on that. Yeah, like like you mentioned with, with the Hagelin trade, the off-ice bonus is, is freeing up that contract space over the next few years. You've got, yeah, most likely you don't sign Perron, who's a UFA, depending on, on his, you know, his play. Uh, and even if then, I don't think you resign him at the 3.8 that he's at. Uh, so that does free up some space. Obviously, we have a lot of RFAs, and, and Freddie's one of those. And you know, you've got that extra space now over the next few seasons. Uh, that and you know, plus with with Stewart coming off the books, and and Horkoff and some other guys who are her UFAs coming off the books, you've got that space now. And I, I don't see them unless, like we mentioned before, if they get a, an amazing offer, something that you can't beat, and that's going to improve the team dramatically. Then I could see them moving Anderson. But other than that, uh, I mean, Hudobin is probably the guy. Um, and then from there, you'd have to look at our defense. Uh, I mean, adding Clendenning doesn't doesn't help the situation. Uh, and most likely, he'll play in the AHL, uh, but he is a seventh eighth defenseman, and we we have you know Holter ready, arguably Manson. Even though he is playing better than that, he is one of those guys uh, as well. Um, and you look at you know eight or nine guys now who could play on this team on the blue line. So you would realistically look there um, if you're going to make a trade to improve this team's offense. And I think you're right on the right on that uh, point because if you look at the Ducks blue line, um, as you mentioned, you know Bieksa, Dupree, Fowler uh, when he comes back, uh, Lindholm, Manson, Stoner, Theodore, and Botten. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of players right there. I mean, you're going to have a log jam. I mean, you can send Holzer back down, Clendenning down, but you still have eight guys up. So you're going to have to figure out something when Dupree and Fowler get back. Um, it's going to be a tough situation. Uh, you know, we talked about some people that could be moved. We talked about Stoner maybe being moved because of his contract, which could be difficult because he's you know going to be uh, paid six point five million in the uh, next two seasons. There's also been rumors about Botnin. Um The latest word out of uh, Tampa Bay is that they're looking for a defensive man and also a prospect. And, and Botnin's name has come up, um, and he's an RFA in the summer. Um, I, I don't know if he'll get traded. It didn't seem like it from Murray's recent comments 
um, you know, talking about uh, what was going on in, in the, the trade world with Druin sweepstakes, as I call them. But uh, his last quote was at a at the press conference um, yesterday, I believe, or Friday, and um, he said, you know, that there's more out there than just Druin, that there's probably uh, available right now, and let's leave it at that. He said they're looking at a whole bunch of things. So if you, if you look at that, um, you know, who knows what's going on with Murray. We always talk about what he's looking at, what he's trying to do, and it's always difficult to figure out what's going on. Um, that's why in this article we, we brought up some of these players' names outside of the goalie situation because uh, we've heard that they've been mentioned, but we just don't know, you know exactly what's going to happen. But I would think if the Ducks are going to make a move, you know, a defensive player for a winger or maybe a defensive player and uh, Hudobin for you know one or two players, it could be something like that coming up, Eddie. Again, this is just us, you know, speculating on what could be done. There's no no uh, hard, concrete evidence of what's going to happen next. And even if you think you know what Murray's going to do next, you just never know. Yeah, and nobody expected this trade to come about. I mean, uh, I think we mentioned a couple podcasts ago. We we don't expect any of the new additions to get traded. Then, of course, the first thing to get traded is Carl Hagelin, and uh, you know, just out of the blue, out of nowhere, three a.m. in the morning here, and. Uh, the trade gets announced, but yeah, I know it, it definitely, if another trade is made, the most realistic option, like you said, is a defenseman would pr- probably has to get moved. I think by now you would, it'd be safe to say that one of our, our defensemen, barring the untouchable guys like Lynn Tolm, um, I guess Fowler too, you would have to say into pray right now because they're injured. You, they wouldn't get moved, uh, that one of them would, would get moved. Uh, obviously Votnin, his name has been brought about there and and you know tampa bay is looking for that but it all depends uh on what the offer is and you know i, I think we all agree murray's not going to give up more uh than he thinks the, the player is worth um we got a lot of guys out there like you said other than drew and who are available who could come at cheaper prices because you know they're not a prospects and they're also ufa so um i think we'll just have to wait or wait and see it i i don't think uh a move is made uh you know soon unless it is for Druin. I think more realistically it'd be closer to the trade deadline when Fowler and Dupre are back healthy. Yeah, I agree with you. I think once we get closer to the trade deadline, uh, you know, there'll be a better uh, situation for Murray to evaluate the defense. And that kind of brings us to some fan questions. We had a couple about trades and whatnot coming up. Um, we had one from Scott who asks about um, Winnipeg, and he asks about Wheeler, Truba, or Ladd and whether or not the Ducks will go after any of those. Uh, what do you think, Eddie? you think the Ducks might try to target one of those three players? I think it's safe to say that Winnipeg is not going to deal Jacob Trouba, um, and we definitely don't need any more defensemen. So I don't think that is an option for us, um, as well as Blake Wheeler as well. I, I think with his play this season and, and how well he's played, they see him as a key part of their future. Um, the most realist, realistic option is Andrew Ladd, and I think – before you know this week, I would have said there is definitely a good chance that the Ducks would look to acquiring him. I mean, he would fit perfectly on, on that top line with Getzoff and Perry. He's a you know power forward. He can score goals. He, he's been a Cup champion. You know, he he knows what it takes. But it looks like because you know he is their captain. It looks like they're they're focusing their efforts on re-signing him. And Dustin Bufflin is the odd man out, and he'll most likely hit free agency and sign with a different team. So I think. If anybody, Ladd is the, the likely option, but I don't see any of them moving away from Winnipeg. I agree with you. And we, we had an article up there, and 
I mentioned uh, Lad and the uh, the Hockey Writers article, my first one that I wrote over there. So I agree with you. Um, you can read it over there. I posted the link and whatnot. Uh, if not, just uh, send me a message. I'll, I'll give you my uh, URL that where it was posted. Uh, you know, another question going towards the forwards too. We had it from Crystal. She asks about Maroon and whether or not he's the odd man out. Um, you know, do you think um, with what's going on now with Perron being added that that's the situation? And and I think Eddie, he is kind of the odd man out. I mean, Perron comes in and replaces Haglin, but we've kind of seen this rotation with Sekach, Santarelli, Stewart, and Maroon. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, I think he, he could be traded and he could be, uh, you know, sent somewhere. I mean, granted, with Raquel on the top line now, that's kind of relegated Maroon down to the bottom. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't think any of them get moved individually. I think they only get moved if it's a package, package for another forward. Um, I think Boudreaux and Murray like the idea of having another NHL forward in the press box ready to go if somebody is out of the lineup. Um, and they seem not. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not in their heads, but they, they they don't seem to mind. I mean, Stewart has played really well this season. Centerelli's played pretty good as well. Um, I think Sakach and Maroon are the odd guys out right now. I really do like Sakach, and I think he he can succeed on this team. He hasn't put up the points that we would all like this season, but um, so I, I guess you would have to say Maroon is the odd one out. Um, but they would only be really moved if it was a package for another forward. I agree with you. I don't. I don't know that it would be a one for one like we talked about in the article too. It may be a, a forward and a defenseman with Hudobin or or something of that nature, or maybe a forward and a defenseman in, in and of themselves. So I may have to look for something like that. We also have a few uh, questions on here about um, Peron. They want to know uh, basically one from Matt about his role on the team and how he will do. Um, and another one from Khalid about whether or not he's the goal scorer we're looking for. Uh, kind of similar questions, but uh, I don't know. It's hard to say, Eddie. I, I think he's more the style of play that Murray and Boudreaux were talking about as far as being grittier and, and going in the dirty areas and being in front of the net, which is something we've seen the Ducks you know, be inconsistent with this year. So I don't know if he's necessarily the player that they're looking for, but I, I think he can help in terms of that aspect of the game, which has kind of been missing at times for the Ducks. Yeah, and it's hard to say, too. Uh, to, if I'm going to be completely honest, I haven't really watched him play that much since he left St. Louis. Uh, but when he was there, he was a pest. You know, He was a physical guy, and he scored goals. And, and that's what they had him for, and he was a valued player there. Um, and that's why other teams you know, looked to pick him up when, when St. Louis had some of, you know, some of their younger guys coming into the system. Edmonton took a chance on him. He had a really good season there as well um, and just hasn't fit in here. And, I mean, we have a lot of those players on our roster that – have the potential to play better. I mean, Stewart was a guy that we said at the beginning of the season when you picked him up, he has a chance to play better. I mean, we took our chance on Heatley last season as a guy to, to you know, hopefully succeed again. But um, Murray likes to, to seem to make these trades and make these deals where, where guys have, have been, you know, really good in, on some teams or in the Western Conference, and he brings them back and, and you know, in hopes that they can come back and, and, and play like they used to. And I think if anybody has a good chance at it, it's definitely Perron and, uh, I mean, if he can get back to where he was in, in St. Louis, he's definitely the goal scorer we've been looking for. Yeah, and only time will tell. I mean, that's basically what we're going to have to see. Uh, I think he's going to help, um, and it's going to be interesting if he's on that second or third line, how he's going to do. 
Uh, one more question uh, about the Ducks. This is kind of an overall question from George. He asks about you know the Pacific Division and how close the standings are. What do you think the Ducks should do in order to solidify a playoff spot? And honestly, I think we talked about this already, Eddie. I mean, going over those stats uh, that Mike posted, uh, you know, from Leafs TV, I, I think the Ducks are doing well in pretty much every uh, category of the game as far as special teams, especially on a power play picked up. The offense, you've seen them score um, four goals in five of the last ten games. So the offense is picking up. They finally scored more than two goals a game in these last uh, you know, ten games. So that's starting to work. Uh, I really think if the Ducks just stick with the course, um, that they're going to be fine and make the playoffs. Uh, the only real issue, and we've mentioned it before, was the shot percentage. Yeah, and you know it's also the fact that right now a lot of other teams in the Pacific Division are winning games. I mean, San Jose has won five in a row. Uh, Vancouver is six three and one in their last ten. Uh, Arizona six two and two. LA seven two and one. Uh, and you've still got Calgary and, and even Edmonton a little bit breathing down your necks uh, right behind you. So I think they're just going to have to continue playing well. Uh, they've, they've done really well um, in the last two games uh, against uh, an Ottawa team who's better this year and, and against a really, really good Dallas Stars team. Um, and they've scored four goals four times in the last six games, which is a, a definitely a step up from earlier in the season. So I think if they continue playing like they have lately and uh, you know getting a little bit more quality chances in front of that, getting some quality shot chances, then I, I think their, their shooting percentage will increase and uh, they, they should be in a playoff spot come into the season. Yeah, and that kind of brings us up to uh, this week's games. Uh, if, if you look at it, uh, the Ducks are going to have the big one against the Kings, and then uh, Minnesota comes to town, and then we go on the road for back-to-back against Washington and Detroit. Uh, we'll kind of focus on the Kings here for a little bit. Uh, the, the Ducks and the Kings haven't played yet, which is kind of odd. I, I can't remember the stats, but I think this is the, the first time where they haven't played in the regular season before January. I, I Don't quote me on that, but I think that's that's accurate. Um, this game is going to be interesting. They're going to have to fight it out. It's going to be a tough game. We've seen a role reversal between the Kings and the Ducks. The, the Kings have been the ones in first, and we see the Ducks are the ones struggling to, to make the playoff spot uh, as opposed to last year, which I kind of think is part of the reason maybe the Ducks did get Perron, Eddie. You know, the, the Kings got Lucic, and he's nasty. Uh, obviously, uh, Manson's gone, gone with him uh, in the preseason. We've seen that. Um, so maybe that's part of the reason they added Perron, and, and maybe that's what they kind of need um, in order to, you know, uh, make a real strong push too, is, is to be a little bit more grittier. Yeah, and you know, it's going to be a tough game. It, it, it's going to be fun. I mean, we, I, I've kind of waited for this game all season. We, we usually get to see them play uh, LA a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, Manson is going to be. There's going to be most likely you would expect to be a lot of uh, a lot of scraps, and maybe not a lot of fights, but it's going to be a chippy game and. You, know, you would expect Kessler to be matched up against Kopitar. He usually gets matched up against the other team's best players. And you know, I think in an advantage for us, uh, the, the Kings came off a, a 5-3 loss to Ottawa last night. A, a really un-LA-like loss. They they usually keep uh, the, the goals down. And you know, it was, a, it was a really good game for Ottawa. And uh, I think we get the backup tonight too as well because Jonathan Quick started last night. Um so I, I think it's a really good chance for the Ducks to, to, to beat one of the better teams in Pacific tonight. I mean, they're coming off a back-to-back. We have a day off rest. And, and after this game, you have two days off before Minnesota. So you can go all out in this game. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a real fun game to watch tonight. Yeah, I agree with you. This is going to be a measuring stick game. I mean, yeah, you know, the Kings played the night before. And I'm, I'm sure some of their fans, if the Kings for some reason lose, are going to you know, throw that out there. 
that they played the night before. But you know what? It, it goes both ways. The Ducks have played teams, you know, uh, the next night too, which we're going to have to do that later uh, this week. But it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, quick, you know, uh, had kind of a meltdown there in the third period against Ottawa, uh, which isn't normal for him. So I haven't seen an official word if, he, if he's going to play or not, but it might be the backup like Eddie mentioned. And for the Ducks, we don't know if it's Gibson or Anderson. Usually on Sundays, it's very difficult to predict the Ducks lineup when they're at home because Sunday home games almost always have an optional skate. So I don't know if they're going to roll with Anderson for his third start. He's played very well the last two. Or if they're going to come back with Gibson. Uh, that's something we'll probably have to you know see in the pregame skate. So we won't know until then. But it's going to be interesting. The Ducks... Uh, Last season, were 4-0-1 against the Kings. But don't forget, four of those five games went to either an overtime or a shootout. So this game could come down to you know a, t- a tight battle. Unless, Eddie, and I mentioned this, unless the Ducks jump out on the Kings because of the back-to-back situation, if they jump out on them like they did the Stars, then, then it could be a different type game. Yeah, and, and I think it's always key with these physical teams where they battle every shift for the for a whole 60 minutes. That when they have a back to back, it's it's hard to do that in the next game, and that's what the Ducks are going to have to do against the Kings. The Kings are going to be tired; they're going to be a little sore after playing against Ottawa last night. Um, you, know, you got to jump out on them quick because they're going to be mad too. They're going to be mad that they they let five goals in last game. They're going to tighten up defensively. Uh, I'm sure Sutter is going to go over everything with them, and, and they're going to be a lot better tonight defensively. But you have to jump on them; uh, they're going to be tired. Um, and yeah, you just got to get on, like you said, uh, like they did against Dallas, and, and hopefully. Uh, you get out to an early lead and and you can keep it up. I mean, their their backup, I believe, is Jonas Anderoth. He's he's been all right this season, but it's hard. It's always hard to judge a Kings backup goalie uh, because of how well they play defensively. We've seen Anderoth, um in Buffalo and I believe in Dallas as well. And he you know he's played. He's had games where he's played like he could be a starter, and then he's had games where you, you know he definitely is a backup. So I think that's they're gonna have to jump out early on him and. You know, hopefully chase him for the net and, and bring in quick and, and pop a little on him. But uh, maybe <laughs> looking a little bit too far forward here. But, yeah, they're going to have to get out early. Yeah, it's going to be a battle for sure, no matter what happens tonight. And, you know, looking at the week uh, after that, uh, Minnesota comes to town for the final game. Uh, Minnesota's been playing decent as well. Um, but uh, as of late, they've lost four in a row. Um, this is a game that really the Ducks need to win this one. Um, not, not trying to look ahead here, but you know, just giving you the preview for the week. They need to take out the Wild, and then um, after that, it's going to be tough on the road, Eddie. They go to face Washington and Detroit. You have Washington, who's you know taken away the uh, the Metropolitan here, sixty nine points, you know, sixteen points ahead of the Rangers, and then you've got Detroit, who's in second, chasing the very very hot Florida team. Uh, and, you know, we talked about the last Detroit game where the Ducks lost, but they played well. So there's no really easy game this this week. I mean, they, sh- they should beat Minnesota, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if the Ducks go maybe 2-2 two and two this week, Eddie. Yeah, and I think good thing for the Ducks, even though Minnesota is struggling, that they also aren't playing Minnesota at home. They are a lot better team at home. Um, so I think... You know, tonight it's going to be a tough game. You got to jump on the fact that LA's that LA played last night. Uh, Minnesota, they are struggling. You got to hope that you can go into that game, uh, finish off the homestand with a win. Um, and then you know, you, it's going to be tough. <laughs> like Washington is on pace for for one of the best seasons ever uh, in the NHL. Um, you know, Vetchkin, he's scoring. He's top of the league right now. Or no, he's second in the league behind Patrick Kane right now. And 
Oh, Backstrom's putting on points. Kuznetsov's been on fire for them this season. Braden Holtby, Holtby is probably going to win the Vesna Trophy. Um, and you're playing them where they've only lost three times in regulation and four times overall at the Verizon Center. I mean, that's going to be a, a real test to, to how well the Ducks are playing so far this season uh, to try and beat them. And then you got to go right from the Verizon Center over to the Joe where the Ducks have not had a lot of success. Um, and play Detroit, and and that's going to be a tough game, especially coming off such a hard game against the Capitals. It's going to be a real test uh, for for how well they've been doing lately, and see if they can keep it up. Yeah, I agree with you, Eddie. I I think it's really huge that the Ducks can jump on the Kings tonight, win this one, and then uh, take it to Minnesota on Wednesday. Like you said, uh, those back to backs against you know Washington and Detroit, two of the best teams. Uh, arguably in the East, uh, also obviously Florida up there, it, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be really hard for them to uh, take them both out, uh, especially in the back-to-back scenario on the road, as you mentioned. So I would look for um, Gibson to be in one of those games and Anderson to be in the other, uh, You know, not predicting it, but I, I would think that's what the Ducks would do. Um, they've kind of gone back and forth with the goalies, so we'll kind of have to wait and see um, You know what happens tonight and Wednesday. But that's kind of what I would look for in terms of the goalie situation. And, you know, unless something happens, you never know. There may be another trade. I, I was joking about, you know, I'm going to have to keep my phone on 24-7 because uh, you just don't know when these trades are going to pop up. You know, most of the time they're during the, the, the daytime and daylight hours. But we'll have to see. Um, as far as the NHL goes and, and any other news, the, the only really uh, kind of uh, funny, not funny uh, thing that came up that he was the whole John Scott situation. You know, he ends up um, going in a three-player trade and pretty much effectively takes him out of the All-Star game. And, and there's a lot of people that were upset about this saying, well, hey, you had a fan vote and you let him in. Uh, we had a couple fan questions about it as well. Uh, what do you think about the, the whole situation, you know, as far as letting the fans vote? And then uh, basically, you know, no one's going to admit it, but basically a three-way trade to uh, keep him out of the All-Star game. Yeah, you would have to think the, the NHL had their hands in this one. Uh... Um, some I, I saw on Twitter that uh, apparently the the uh, Coyotes organization asked him to uh, not go to the All-Star game and sort of the NHL, and he refused both, um, and he said he was going to go. And, and this this is just an odd trade. Uh, you don't really have to include him in this trade. You know he's the Pacific Division captain. Um, you know, it, it just seems like they wanted to make it as difficult as possible for him to still go to the All-Star game. I mean, if, if Arizona wanted, they could just bury him in the AHL and he wouldn't be able to play. I mean, that's what Montreal seems to be doing right now. Um, and there's no rule against him not playing. If he had been, if, if he had got traded to Montreal and played for the Canadians and he's playing, if he was playing for them now and tonight and, and over the next few games before the All-Star game, he would still be able to go and play for the Pacific Division uh, you know, team and be their captain. But the fact that he's in the AHL... Um, it just seems like Arizona didn't want to have to deal with this situation, didn't want to have to have the negative press of burying him uh, in the AHL, and it, it all just seemed to backfire, and it's just a, a really negative image. I mean, the whole thing with him getting voted in in the first place brought up a lot of controversy with fan voting and, and how uh, you know it's just really a joke, and, and you know they they didn't really make a, you know make a real big deal about it. But yeah, it's just an unfortunate situation for him. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, I, I really think that the league tried to do, well, at first, as you mentioned, Arizona tried to remedy the situation internally. And when that didn't work, then the, you know, the three-way trade ended up getting dealt. So, you know, it, the uh, all-star voting will definitely be changed next year. I, I'm pretty sure, you know, don't, don't uh, 
Uh, quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure something's going to have to change as far as the way that the process is done because they wanted a fan vote, and then you know you get a vote where it's not necessarily based upon skill. It's what a lot of people you know thought, oh, it'd be funny to get a certain player in there, and then the NHL didn't like it. So I'm pretty sure they're going to revamp that situation, and uh, we'll see how it plays out uh, for for the All Star game. I, I usually don't watch the All Star game too much. Uh, you know, I may watch it this year because it's a little bit different with the three on three. It'd be kind of interesting to see, but. Uh, as far as everything else goes, we're doing the same stuff that we've been doing. Um, we're going to have some more watch parties coming up. Uh, I don't know the exact dates, but I'll get those to you probably the end of January, maybe the beginning of February since the Ducks have been on a long homestand. And uh, we're still rolling, doing the same stuff. Uh, we're working on getting more writers. If you've noticed on the blog, there's been more people on there playing uh, a part in writing for our, uh, our blog. And uh Working on doing stuff uh, around the league as well and expanding coverage for other teams as well. So if you're interested, always you know give us an email, send us a message, and we'll get right down to you. Um, with that, let's hope that the Ducks take out the Kings tonight and, and finish the road. Or I'm sorry, finish the homestand strong and go on the road and play well uh, there too. So with that, we'll see you next week and let's go Ducks.